0: Welcome to the second episode of 2022 for the We Belong Here podcast, powered by Civic Commons. Uh, Thank you to Big Phony for letting us use his wonderful music for the intro and outro. And today we have a special occasion. So we are in partnership with the Gates Foundation uh, Discovery Center, and they are running a new virtual storytelling event uh, exhibit called Enduring COVID-19, Stories from Our Transforming World. In light of our partnership in the past, we always like to have one of their guests come onto the podcast. So today we have Dr. Paula Houston joining us, and we're going to have a one-on-one conversation, which is kind of the first time we've done this here on the We Belong Here podcast. I'm really excited to speak with Dr. Houston. And so before we get started, I would love to have uh, Dr. Houston just introduce herself.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm really uh, excited to be here today. Uh, my name is Paula Houston. I am the Chief Equity Officer for UW Medicine. I'm Associate Vice President for Medical Affairs for University of Washington, and I'm uh, Affiliate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine at UW School of Medicine.
0: Wonderful. Before we started this podcast, I went on LinkedIn, and I wanted to see what, who our connections were. So I noticed that we had quite a few And so I noticed in your work history that you worked at places like the YMCA, where you ran the the Meredith Matthews uh, chapter, the branch. Um, And I may have gotten that name wrong. But yeah, so I would love to hear a little bit more about your personal story, because that's what we do here on this podcast. Like, you know, some people call it their origin story. Some people call it like, you know, what shaped and transformed them into who they are. You could talk about where you grew up. You could talk about family. You could talk about any like important moments in your life, and take as little time or as much time as you like. So uh, we would love to hear more about you.
1: Well, thanks. I was I was thinking about this and 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 trying not to give you my whole entire uh, history, but I I think it's kind of relevant for um, where I am now because everything I think I did previously kind of brought me here. Uh, not not unique. Uh, I think most people could probably say that. Um, but, you know, I'll just kind of start off with, you know, I was brought up, uh, as a military brat. Um, my father was a career Air Force officer. I was born in Kittery, Maine, uh, but lived all over the country, including, uh, overseas, specifically, uh, in Japan and Taiwan. Um, uh, grew up, um, a lot in New Jersey. Um, my father retired and in the early seventies and we'd moved to New Jersey. So I, uh, spent most of my later elementary school years and high school there. Um, I then went on to Syracuse University for undergrad, um, finished my undergrad degree, moved down to New York City, specifically Brooklyn, uh, where I worked in retail as a buyer um, for a couple of years before moving to Seattle. At that time, I was just kind of restless, um, didn't like what was then a big city uh, for for me, uh, and wanted someplace different and. Uh, my family had, uh, stopped here in the Seattle area, specifically down at what is now is, um, joint base Lewis McCord when we were coming back from overseas. And I remembered that it was green and there were mountains and the air was really fresh. So I decided I wanted to come to Seattle. So I got a job uh, and, uh, came out here and, uh, that was in 1985 and I've been out here ever since, um, Came out here, got a job in the same field that I was in in retail. So I was a buyer um, at a store that no longer exists called Frederick and Nelson. It was a big, very traditional department store, uh, the the type that we have very few of anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I um, at you know just wanting to meet people and stay active, I joined a gym uh, and. Uh, that was actually one of those pivotal moments is when I got hooked on uh, weight training and competing. And so I began um, first competing as a bodybuilder and then as a powerlifter, where I um, have had uh, the pleasure of having great success, having won um, uh, 12 national championships and six uh, World Championships was inducted into the USA Powerlifting uh, Hall of Fame. I've been a official uh, in USA Powerlifting um, for a number of years. And so that's one of the main communities uh, where um, I just get a lot of pleasure and uh, really feel like that I've I've I found my people. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And so. Doing that led me uh, from the world of, uh, of uh, retailing uh, into um, healthcare because I was focusing so much on health and healthcare, uh, or, or my own health, and, and looking at uh, other people's health. I began doing a little bit of personal training then, and so decided, you know, that healthcare was really the thing I wanted to, to go into. So um, I started pursuing a career change and was kind of exploring what parts of healthcare I wanted to go into, um, and then realized that I still uh, liked the business side of, uh, of work and rather than being a, a clinician or hands-on, and so um, decided that's what I wanted to go into. So I went to University of Washington, got my uh, master's in health administration uh, right here at the UW School of Public Health, and then went to work for Public Health Seattle and King County um, and that's really where my trajectory towards uh, the work that I do now began. Um, I um, had a few jobs there. I was uh, started off in their division of maternal and child health, um, where that's really where I got out into community. First, I have uh, had the pleasure of uh, engaging with two uh, wonderful professional uh, women there who are still good friends. They were my mentors. Um, Carolyn Hartness and June Bellaford. And they really taught me about community work and the the need for large organizations to do real community engagement and community work and health disparities and seeing kind of firsthand um, inequities in our healthcare system. Um, So I moved from that job, actually started as an internship. I went on to um, lead the... um, Division of Alcoholism and Substance Abuse Services as the interim manager, and then as a um, uh, uh, district uh, administrator for um, one of the health districts, um, the Central District Health District. So all of that, you know, looking, um, you know, working as an administrator in a large public health organization, obviously focusing a lot on uh, our communities that are, uh, you know, marginalized um, and, and underserved. Um, at that time, I was also um, uh, able to start really the first focus at the health department on um, equity, diversity, and inclusion work. Back then, it was called cultural competency. So, mm-hmm. formed the first uh, cultural competency committee there, um, and then um, a- and was able to um, bring leadership um, and and staff uh, into doing that work. So then I left public health and um, has briefly had my own um, kind of fitness business uh, where I did mostly personal training. So it turned sort of my side gig into a, uh, mm-hmm. a, a regular gig, um, but decided I didn't want to be an entrepreneur in that way. So went back into healthcare, care and uh, that's where I became the clinic manager at Carolyn Downs Family Medical Center, uh, which, of course, first uh, further entrenched me into um seeing healthcare inequities and health disparities experienced by uh, our marginal communities. Um, So I was there for a little over three years and that's when I uh, went over to um, the YMCA of Greater Seattle and was the executive director at the Meredith Matthews East Madison uh, Y. Um, There, again, there was sort of a fledgling effort around uh, equity, diversity and inclusion, how to get out into communities better, better serve. Um, our diverse communities, and as well as making the organization better for um, uh, the diverse staff who work there. And so I led those efforts there, um, ended up it re- really enjoyed my job there, did uh, really turned Meredith Matthews around. So it was really thriving uh, by the time I left, uh, and then went to Sound Generations as the CEO uh, there. And Sound Generation serves um, seniors with um, just a, a broad range of programs from um, uh, community dining uh, in various centers to transportation, health and wellness Um uh, it's the Meals on Wheels provider and just general information around seniors. And again, they had a real focus on um, social justice and equity, diversity and inclusion. And at that point, I realized that, you know, all of these jobs have, you know, this thread of equity, diversity and inclusion. How do we make services more equitable for um, those most underserved? And I decided at that point that I really wanted to focus um, on that work. And part of that was you talked about the defining, what were some of my defining moments? Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, got breast cancer in 2010 mm-hmm. and, uh, realized that I, uh, this was one of those times where I had some privilege and that I was educated. I had a job. I had good health care. I had a great, uh, support system around me. And as a black woman, I had a pretty good health uh, care experience um, in in our system, and realized that many Black women do not have that. And mm-hmm. I realized if I'm having, if I'm going to be a leader in a healthcare organization, um, that's what I want to focus on: is to make sure other Black women have a better experience than I know many uh, are, are having, and um, that I shouldn't be the exception in having a good um, healthcare experience. Um, Uh, in being treated for breast cancer. So um, I got breast cancer actually in 2010 while I was still at the Y. Unfortunately, I had a recurrence in 2012 uh, Mm. while I was still at the Y Uh, and then had another recurrence in 2016. So I am a three-time breast cancer survivor. Um, yeah. So those are all defining moments, all leading up to you, you have those kind of moments and you, you start to think, well, what really matters in my life? How do I make sure that what my personal passions are and my professional passions are congruent? Um, and so um, by, by the time 2016 rolled around and I at this point, I had chemo and radiation and the entire uh, cancer experience. Um, I, I realized that I, I needed to make a big shift and, and focus on work that was going to allow me to um, really advance healthcare equity and, and get back into a healthcare system. Um, I had also, in 2014, finished my um, doctorate uh, at Seattle U, and I liked the idea of being in a, a an institution of higher learning. So. I very intentionally looked for a job that would allow me to be back in healthcare proper, and be an institution of higher learning, and focus on um, healthcare equity. And this job at the University of Washington came to me, and wow. I saw the job and I applied. I said, like, "That's my job." Uh, I've had friends say, "You just you 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 kind of spoke it into existence," um, mm-hmm. and. I like, awesome. okay, I'll go with that, <laughs> that I spoke it into existence. So that's why I say really everything that I've done that I did up to this point prepared me to have the, the role that I have now. So I was um, hired as what was the director of healthcare equity. And uh, that was to operationalize the b- blueprint that had been put together by our um, leadership. And uh, so I did that for uh, almost two years with my dyad partner, um, the late great Patricia Dawson, who was the medical director, um, we worked hand in hand. Uh, she unfortunately passed away um, two years ago uh, and um, but made a just a, an indelible mark. Many people out in the community know Dr. Dawson and the great work that she did in her long career as a breast cancer surgeon. Um, so it was just a blessing to be able to have her by my side to to get this work off the ground, which led to our uh, being able to launch the Office of Healthcare Equity, which is uh, where I am now um, ha- and having the honor of being the um, the inaugural chief equity officer. So that's kind of my back story origin story.
0: That is a. Uh... There's so many pieces of the story that I want to talk about. Um, so, but like, what what'd you say? Six times world champion and hall of fame. I,
1: yes. Or nine mm-hmm. times, six times. Uh, that's, yeah. 12 times national, six times world champion and inducted into the hall of fame in 2012.
0: Wow. wow. And then three times breast cancer survivor. Three time breast cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, multiple different fields that you trans, like, transform yourself and went from different field to different field. And I love what you said about your current role where you kind of like spoke it into existence. Like, I want this job, but you're like, I want it in this scope, this sector, in this like <laughs> I did. framing. And voila, there's that job. And <clears throat> I'll be honest, my last job I had, uh, or my current job that it's now I'm transformed into like more of a consultant for them with civic commons, was when that job posted, three of my friends emailed me the same day and they said, "We found the perfect job for you." Mm. It's like multi-sector facing, it's working on belonging, it's a not, you know, government, it's not nonprofit, it's kind of like an interesting mix of like trying to bring people together, but it's storytelling and it's all these things and I was like, "Well, okay." I took a look and I was like, "Oh, this this is exactly what I would like to do." And so that moment when you find the thing that you want to do and you're so clear about it, it's, 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 it's powerful. Incredibly it is powerful. really powerful.
1: I mean, I saw the listing, read the description. And I said, well, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I remember telling friends, they're like, well, yeah, that sounds pretty good, but you have to still go through an interview process. And I was like, well, that's just, that's my job.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it's mine. That's amazing. It's my, <laughs> no, no, that's obviously, obviously mine. I don't know. I mean, we'll go through the motions, of course. Like if you want to be fair and equitable, but but, they, but that's my job.
1: That's exactly what happened.
0: Nice. Um, <clears throat> as an Army brat, a uh, so-called Army brat, and moving Air about... Air Force. Air Force. Air Force. Oh, my bad. I <laughs> apologize to all the Air Force listeners uh, for an Air Force brat moving around <clears throat> with family. One of the things that I know a lot about uh, friends of mine that have similar backgrounds is the the uprooting and re, re, you know coming someplace else and landing in a new community constantly uh you probably learned a lot about like belonging and the flip side of belonging is uh, othering um <clears throat> where did you feel like you belonged the most when you were growing up in your lifetime like where did you feel like this is home this is where I, people understand me know me fully accept hmm. me for who i am was it like the 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 weightlifting community was it the healthcare community was it the you know any place What's where's the place you found that the most
1: um, yeah, so the health, the, um, my powerlifting community is very much where I, I felt at, at home. I, mm-hmm. it was, I have a, you know, a, a great community that I lifted with, lifted with here locally. Um, I, you know, being on national teams, it was always great to go to the nationals every year and see people that you didn't uh, get to see except for once a year and then to go to the world championships and see people from all over the world that you would see only at the world championships. So that really felt like home uh, mm-hmm. there. And uh, so, you know, have made many, many friends that are that are still friends, uh, that are still friends there. In terms of uh, professionally, I've been really fortunate in that have made um, connections with people who've remained friends throughout a lot of my career. I would say um, made a lot of friends uh, at the health department, because I think that again, that was sort of that pivot of, I need, to, I want to focus on community and communities that aren't being served well. And as I mentioned, two of my mentors, Carolyn and June, are still very dear friends um, uh, to this day. Uh, made you know, good friends at the Y, and I, and I think that connection is that all of. Uh, That, that's where it's sort of my, my personal passion and professional passions became congruent and, and, and that connection with those people who also had those same kind of passions. And that's what, that, that's just a thread that, um, that connects us now and moving into uh you know I, I as i was talking to some of my mentors them and others you know moving into this really large complex uh you know bureaucratic organization that is the university of washington i can say i still feel very much like i belong it could be a place mm-hmm. where you could come in and feel very lost and and isolated and um and and i don't i i i, we, I have you know, a great team, great leaders. Um, you know, I took this job because as I was looking for jobs in um, focusing on equity, diversity, and inclusion work, you know, there were some that I didn't even apply for, or I maybe had an interview for, and it was pretty clear they were just looking to check a box, mm-hmm. that it was sort of the flavor of the month was to hire uh, an EDI director and you know we were going to do that, and then you build the blueprint. You do all of that work. Where it was really clear immediately that uh, leadership here had done the hard work of recognizing that there were issues, building, uh, creating a vision, building a blueprint around that, and then hiring someone to operationalize that that vision and the blueprint. And mm-hmm. I, I felt supported from day one, and and still feel supported uh, today. And I don't expect that to waver.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I actually read that blueprint uh, and went on the website, and it was written in 2017, I believe, Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. I love the second strategic objective, uh, engage the communities we serve as partners in uh, uh, assessing and addressing healthcare equity Engage the communities we serve as partners in. So I love that phrasing uh, because partners to me hints at a co-design model, Um, I worked for the Department of Neighborhoods for two years at the City of Seattle. And, you know, I got to be honest, we all use the words community engagement a ton, right? Uh, But it's definitely not easy. It's definitely not short term. Um, There isn't just a one, let's do community engagement. It's just one thing. It's many things. It's really knowing who your community is, how to get to them easily and meet them where they are and really listen to them in a way that's um, humanizing and gives them some ability to like co-design with you whatever the engagement is uh for you and with the the work at the university of washington uh what have you learned about community engagement in your role so far
1: yeah, that's uh, That's that's a great question. And one of the things that we're focusing on, one of the things I will say is that that blueprint that was written in 2017, we are uh, in the process of updating it now. We're kind of mm-hmm. calling it Blueprint 2.0, and we'll be rolling that out actually just within the next um, several weeks. And one of the main focuses is on our community uh, engagement because... Even when we first got here, it's knowing that one of the first objectives, you know, was workforce community engagement, um, uh, and clinical quality improvements, we knew, well, we need to get out in the community. If, if we're actually going to do community engagement, you have to be in the community. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we went out, uh, you know, my, the, my very small team that we had, including Dr. Dawson, uh, went out into the community and quickly realized that, um, people didn't know UW medicine very well uh out mm-hmm. in particularly in our communities of color, our black communities, and communities of color. Um, and so we had to go out and ask people, well, what 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 has your experience been in health care? We, we you know, could look at data, we knew there are health disparities out there, but we really wanted to know how are people experiencing health care, how were they experiencing our healthcare system, UW Medicine. And then what could we do better? And we did that with a series of community conversations that we did uh, in several parts of the region, uh, gathered people in a community space, usually a community um, a community center, and asked them those questions. And we got some really insightful information um, about how people saw the healthcare system, saw us, some of it positive, some of it not so positive. But it really gave us great information on how we can focus our work to, um, to to give people a better opportunity to have a better experience with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what we've learned from COVID is that now that community engagement and really listening to communities is more important than ever. Um, one of the things that um, we're really proud of is that uh, my team uh, led the effort to stand up the first walk-in, walk-up, drive-up testing site in, uh, in Seattle, and that was down in Rainier Beach. We knew there was a need uh, by looking at the data, and myself and um, uh, uh, one of my uh, colleagues on my team, Martine Pierre-Louis, who's the Director of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion at Harborview, um, have known each other for 20 years. Since I was in the health department, we've worked in South Seattle. And so we knew the inequities that the people there were experiencing the health disparities. And we knew that the, even in the best of times, South Seattle didn't have the best access to healthcare. And so we knew that there was going to be a need for testing there. So using the relationships that we had built, uh, uh, not only with community groups, but then ones we had with our partners in city of Seattle, we were identif- able to identify a site, um, uh, um, get support uh, and resources from uh, UW medicine, Harborview specifically to stand up that testing site. And that quickly became one of the busiest testing sites in our system. Um, we were then able to um, uh leverage and enhance those relationships when uh, it came time to pivot from testing uh, to vaccines. So mm-hmm. we're able to quickly stand up the mobile vaccines uh, in both South Seattle and, and South King County. And so this has really allowed us to, uh to understand even more so that keeping those relationships, continuing to build on those relationships, really listening to our communities will help us to provide better Care, uh, we heard things uh, from community that we didn't expect. To people to be talking to a large health system uh, about things like, well, you know, how what what else do people need? Um, and things like food security came out, uh, mm-hmm. and so now we are kind of you know uh, initiating efforts to figure out well, how do we begin to capture that? So that's part of. Uh, just the demographic data that we capture and other social determinants of health, we were already capturing housing security. And that's how we knew that um, uh, people who were experiencing housing insecurity were seeing um, a higher burden of disease with COVID. Um, So now we're looking at other social determinants of health, like food security, access to transportation, uh, employment, um, uh, type of employment because we know, of course, it's our frontline workers, people who are part of the gig economy that mm-hmm. just can't take off work uh, and and take care of their health in the way they need to. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I uh, I've utilized the Rayner Beach uh, testing center quite a few times when I was living in the South End, and <laughs> so I was super thankful for it. I would either walk if I had the energy, or I would ride my bike. Um, or take the light rail one stop and and walk over. But mm-hmm. it was great just right in that parking lot right by the the, the sports field. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I appreciate the effort because that made it so much easier, especially in the south end where uh, we often got overlooked, right, for a lot of uh, programming and, you know, uh, enhancements in the city. Yep. And so it was really great to make that a premier site for people to, to go to.
1: It was. And the, fir- you know, the first site was set up at the boat launch. Right across the street from yeah from from Rainier Beach High School, and then we moved it to the parking lot of the high school. But when you know when we when we worked with our partners at City of Seattle Department of Neighborhoods, Department of uh, Parks and and Rec uh, to set it up there, we knew we had to talk with community groups because at that point you know we nobody knew a whole lot about COVID, and Mm -hmm. uh, we had to um, really educate the community about well what was that going to mean. Um, to have a, a site in there, how how was it going to be disruptive of the community? And right. um, it was because we we did the work in in talking with communities, we got buy in, and then got support to the point where we had um, other community groups who who were, were bringing the um, healthcare workers lunch and and uh, mm-hmm. and snacks and drinks mm-hmm. and wanted mm-hmm. to make you know and, and and did that you know on, on a fairly regular basis. So.
0: Yeah. No, no. <clears throat> I think one of the great things and maybe more not great but more like a distilling thing about COVID and these pandem- uh, pandemic is that it really brings to light how much we need each other and how we're actually connected. Um but it also brings to light how the inequities have impacted people, you know, disproportionately. And so it really cl- you know clarifies like how awful structural racism is. How awful You know, white supremacy is. And, but, but it also clarifies the fact that all those things that, you know, were that cause hatred and strife and othering are actually really bad for everybody. It's bad for people of at the top, people who are uh, impacted the most, but also people who have benefited the most. It's actually bad for everybody. And the more we're connected to each other, the more we are humanizing each other and building relationships across divides. The better it is for our society. It doesn't mean you have to agree on everything, but we're definitely in a very, uh, in a world where people do not want to talk to people that are not exactly like them or think like them, and we need to work on that for sure. Um,
1: yeah. For sure. I mean, we say that uh, all the time. You know, we're dismantling oppressive systems, and it's going to make it better for everybody. We we now Absolutely. don't talk just about healthcare equity, but we talk about health justice, and that's going to bring that for everyone. Mm-hmm. if you're focusing yeah. particularly on those who who have been most marginalized and and oppressed uh, in our society yeah.
0: exactly and by focusing on the most marginalized and oppressed you're kind of creating the tent that's wider and stronger and that's okay. going to cover the people that are in the middle more we need to stop right. building the tent for the middle build build a build a okay. tent to the margins and it's going to be strong withstand be sustainable absolutely so i believe in all those things as well Um, Well, thank you for your time. I definitely would like love for you to have a moment before we close to just talk about anything that you all are working at at the University of Washington School of Medicine or not School of Medicine, University of Washington Healthcare. Like, is there any programming or events coming up that you want to talk about before we close?
1: You know, really, I would just like to um, just just remind people how important that our our, our work is. Um, Remind listeners, you know, we're still in this pandemic. Um, in that the pandemic has exacerbated inequities that have been in our healthcare system. It, um, has shown a light on the disparities. Those disparities are still there. And it's more important ever for, for us to, um, continue to do this work to get out in communities, really engage those, our community members as partners. People have, uh, their own agency within communities, and we're we're there to to work with them, but they really need to lead by telling us what they need, and we need to really listen uh, in, in mm-hmm. a way that we haven't uh, been listening before. Uh, you know, we do great work within our um, our institution around making sure that we have a healthcare um, workforce that. Um, that looks like our community. We, 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 we've made some great strides there. We need to do, we can need to do continue to do better. We want to make sure that they have an understanding of principles of equity, diversity and inclusion so that they can make sure when people come through our walls, we are making sure they have the best experience possible. Um, and we we can continue to provide the great healthcare that we have. You know, obviously we're you know a a great world class healthcare, cutting edge, uh, and we're going to make sure that all of that is available to all members of our community. That's our mission statement at, at UW Medicine to improve the health of the public, and that means everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the the idea of something you said before. It's not just uh, it's justice. It's not equity or closing the gap it can be better for everyone. And I love that idea of, um, you know, targeted universalism, right? By targeting your efforts on the communities that need it the most, you're actually also building a better world for everyone together. It's not just to decrease the gap.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It was a great
0: pleasure. Wonderful. Uh, Last thing I'll remark upon what you said now is that you said we really need to listen. And I think... That's definitely true for what we're trying to do here at Civic Commons and the We Belong Here project, is how do we sharpen and increase our listening skills? Uh, too often are we we're hearing but not understanding. And I would love to you know just push our listeners to take time to listen to their friends, hear their stories, create story circles, and really actively listen to what they're saying and see how you can connect with it. Um, So I appreciate the fact that we got to do that here. Thank you to our listeners for coming out to the podcast. If you like it, please subscribe and we will see you next time.